I have a strange experience at the moment. You know, this we have a big drought here. Everything's very dried up. And I haven't, I started to cut the grass in the garden, but actually most of it's dead. And I've left a lot of wild plants growing. And I see all the little insects trying to do their best to keep going. And I feel very touched. I saw a praying mantis today. It's the, uh, it's the season for those and trundling along. And there's all the little flies and bees trying to find a flower and so on and so forth. So it's amazing, you know, that uh, some people think you can't relate to creatures that are very different. But actually, it's surprising how much you can, really. It's not like a kind of Disney thing, imagining they're humans either. But there's some way that you can kind of, kind of relate. So all we need to do now to start is nothing. We're just here. I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, this afternoon, for instance, I'd just been, um, I've been to the airport, which is, well, for maybe by your standards, it's not so far. It was about uh, two hours or so drive or something. But I went early in the morning was nice because it's very quiet and cool because it's so hot at the moment here. We're having a very big heat wave. And so it was uh, very, very nice and no traffic because it's Sunday and things like that. And then we got I got to the airport and I picked up Andrea and we, we came straight back. We thought, you just, uh, it's so getting so hot and we were tired, so we came back. And then this afternoon, I spent some time just sitting in a chair like this. Not, I could not say I was meditating, but I was thinking of my teacher and just leaving some space in my mind and seeing the thoughts arise and seeing the thoughts go away again and seeing how many thoughts come crowding in and how many, all the things that I'm thinking of. And then they're like all these big clouds coming and then they come and they go and then just, uh, you know, that thing of just stopping what you're doing. And uh, I was sort of obliged because I only slept about four hours, you know, one way and another with the early start. So I was a little tired, but not really sleepy, just very curiously peaceful. And I think this is something that we can all try to do a little more you know everybody has so much to do so many activities and so many things to think about and maybe worries and obligations and uh, and desires and fears and i mean it's endless isn't it really and i'm just like that myself so i do definitely know that it's like that and um, it's just quite interesting you know, uh, sometimes we think, well, now I'm going to do my meditation. And that really is so important to do some kind of formal meditation. It's very important. Uh, if you can do that every day, just as a habit, it really uh, makes a big difference. Especially if it's possible, if you can do it in the morning, but it's not absolutely necessary. But it makes an interesting start to the day. But...
Of course, sometimes we have all sorts of obligations and it's difficult to know where to fit it in. But that thing of, you know, there's this um, famous author whose name, of course, I've just forgotten, who, who, who is a Vipassana practitioner, and each day he takes some time with no gadgets, no media, just silence of nothing coming in, just to have a little time. And then he takes a month uh, from time to time uh, to to um, just uh, practice and do a little sort of retreat and things like that, not communicating and being communicated to. And, you know, just to uh, offer ourselves a little space of time with nothing coming in, you know, in a way, the the notion of meditating is is a little bit like that. It's it's um, we make a space where we're not doing something, not doing something else. We're not, and uh, so that's uh, in itself is uh, something very wonderful. And for instance, in your day, you can offer yourself uh, just a couple of minutes like that any time you know any time when i went to the uh, mind and life retreat in germany we was in a very 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 beautiful um sort of monastery on an island which was run by these nuns and there was this very strong character irish nun who was running the place and she was saying when she talks to people, she always tells them to, for instance, she went to a hospital where to get to the main part of the hospital, you had to walk along this long underground corridor, long corridor. She says, this is your moment to just be present and just, this is your, can be your meditation. Or even when you're waiting in a traffic jam, just to come back and be present. And she said, you know, it's wonderful, you should use those times, not to be frustrated, but to just profit from those little gaps in the day that are naturally there. Or maybe, you know, when you're just waiting for something, or when you're, for instance, this morning I arrived too early, and uh, so I, w I found a car park somewhere with some nice shady bushes and trees, and some beautiful flowers, which is a little more rare here than it is in Mexico City, I must say, and uh, very beautiful. And I just sat and I did some meditation with some mantras and things, but also I just sat and was there, and there was a little bird hopping along and thinking what to do next and having a little look round, then flying a bit and hopping a bit more, just getting on with its life and just being you know, right in the city, near the airport, in this little moment of quiet space because nobody was there because it was Sunday. And it was a really magical experience for me. So we all know that it's very important to integrate your meditation practice with your daily life. But when you use your daily life in this sort of way, it reflects on when you sit down to try to meditate because it's, it makes it so that it's really part of you and part of your everyday experience. So I, I just wanted to mention that because it's, 
it's something quite important and I, I really want to talk today a little bit about giving space giving space to your mind you know to it's difficult to have a spacious mind and it's something paradoxically that we need to make some effort for I think because it's not really our habits for the moment so anyway so we'll start to do that now by starting our practice as we usually do with a little deep breathing and so so we just when we breathe in we just come back to our present moment here and now we're just present not we can't even say present with ourselves we don't necessarily have to have a notion of ourselves but just simply present and then we, when we breathe out we let go let go of all these things that we've been thinking about worrying about and all the analysis we might make of what we're doing and all those random thoughts and just of course it's not as if no thoughts are going to come but at least we let go let go of the tension let go of the it's like when you have your muscle tight and you just release it it's something we constantly feel we need to do actually isn't it it could be consciously or subconsciously but it's something we constantly feel we need to just it's like if you're carrying a huge bag when when I was um, a school teacher I was in a urban area of London near the airport but in the past this used to be where all the wheat fields were to grow to make the bread for London and it was all fields with paths and the ladies used to carry the big sacks of grain along these paths and every so often there was a big stone and this stone was so that you could sit down and put your bag down and just not be carrying it for a minute so this is how it is when we do our practice we put down the burden of all the things we've been thinking about worrying about planning hoping for feeling nervous about feeling we have to do all those things we just put it down for a moment and leave it aside so let's try to do that uh, in a very smooth easygoing way without any expectation just breathe in come back to the present moment breathe out letting go of everything
So by breathing in this way and just coming back to the present moment, we're preparing ourselves for our meditation. Preparing the body, the air, the energy and the mind for the meditation. And let's give a direction to the practice with the thought of kindness, kindness, love, compassion. This sense of kindness is something so precious and something which we all have to some degree and in some cases really a lot. You know, we are capable of love, aren't we? Fortunate to have this capacity, which is just inherent and natural. So let's just allow that kindness, that loving feeling to be. We can start by thinking of someone very, very dear to us that we love very much. If you're used to this, you can think of somebody that you have a very difficult relationship with and think of them with a loving kindness. Or you might think of a bug and think of the bug's point of view. Bug trying to find something to eat, trying to find somewhere to sit, trying not to be eaten. You know, it's a, it's a bug's life, isn't it? It's a, and it's a, for them, it's the whole world. Each individual, their subjective experience, whatever it might be, is the whole world for them, just like us. This is the bottom line. So let's develop that compassion, which can, can become something so big. So let's see how big we can make it, just for a few minutes. And let's associate that with something even more vast. Let's think that we want to 
become completely realized, completely free from ignorance and completely free from all those negative emotions and let all our amazing potential qualities emerge to save all beings forever from suffering. This is, of course, completely unimaginable for us. But just by making that wish, it's so powerful. The thought of enlightenment, it's such a magnificent thing. So let's just make that wish, however much we can understand it. And as, as we've already done, I think it's nice to think about the Buddha, the Buddha who is the source of all this teaching and, uh, and uh, source of our practice, and really source someone who has really realized this state that we're aiming for. But when we think of that, when we think of the Buddha, we are also thinking of our own nature. You know, we have the potential to become Buddha because it's part of us. This We have this, what we call Buddha nature, you know. It's like, you know, water has the quality to be wet, fire has the quality it can be burnt. It can burn. And we have this inexhaustible Buddha nature, which is completely hidden. They say it's like a great treasure hidden under a very poor man's floor without him knowing it's there. It's like uh, we might be looking for something which is here all the time, but we really can't see it. The fact that we can't see it is completely understandable considering how our habits are, what our society is like, and uh, just human nature is full of uh, very complicated stuff as well. We are all prey to dualistic thinking. We think there's me, there's what's not me. And then, based on this notion, all the emotions surge up, all the frustration, all the anger, all the fears, all, and uh, it's endless. We intellectualize everything, we complicate everything. With, with Even when we're intellectualizing, you know, we think our intellectual life is objective, but everything is affected by our 
subjective feelings and habits and uh, notion of who we are and so on and so forth. So everybody's in that situation. And this is why we need to feel great love and compassion for everybody who wants to be happy, not to suffer. And as Dingo Kensimse used to say, at the same time does everything to create more suffering. So with this thought of really tenderness for all living creatures of all kinds, we think of the Buddha and we think of this teaching which is still available all these uh, hundreds and thousands of years later and uh, and which is our guide and we also think of all those that can help us on our way when we say the community the sangha it means those who are really knowledgeable lineage holders it means those who've really devoted their lives to the study and practice of the dharma and really have some deep understanding and real commitment to enlightenment but i think also it means just each other who are trying to find our way and uh, supporting each other i find that this is a real wonderful thing that we can come to meet together and share and practice together and we we when we're not together we have the memory of this and we're sort of a little bit impregnated by this moment of sharing so this is a wonderful thing too so i'm going to take say this simple refuge formula i take refuge in the buddha i take refuge in the dharma i take refuge in the sangha you can join in mentally or verbally if you wish but there's no obligation to do so but for me this is something quite important so i'm actually thinking i'm in the presence of our buddha of our age and all the enlightened teachers of the lineage since then and uh, thinking of our community and uh, and all these wonderful teachings that are available to us that we can gradually very slowly and gradually assimilate i take refuge in the buddha i take refuge in the dharma i take refuge in the sangha i take refuge in the buddha i take refuge in the dharma i take refuge in the sangha I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. So, when we say I take refuge, in fact, in in the uh, in Tibetan and also in Sanskrit and Pali, it's go for refuge. It's go. And it just sounds a bit awkward in english to me so we say i take refuge but it's interesting you know the word sarana which is um means refuge in sanskrit it actually comes from 
a verbal root which means to lean on, to lean. And it means something that you can rely on, something that is your safe haven, something which uh, you will not let you down. And in the word in Tibetan, it means protection, you know. Somehow, somewhere in the 19th century or 20th, early 20th century, somebody came up with this notion of refuge. Uh, sounds like uh, some building that you would go and stay in on a mountain or something. It's not ideal, but we just use it because everybody uses it. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a kind of sure, reliable protection, protection from dangers, but especially protection from the dangers that we are to ourselves. I think this is the key thing, that uh, it's uh, reliable protection uh, for us uh, when we are so inundated with so much emotion and ignorance and confusion. And of course, the more you kind of understand the path, the more you understand the Dharma, the more you understand uh, what's the difference between enlightenment and confusion, the more your perspective on everything changes actually, which is can be disconcerting sometimes because you feel that you're not quite on the same wavelength as everybody else. At the same time, it's uh, so marvelous to have some kind of clarity. Of course, that clarity means that we see our own defects with great clarity too, and that can be quite challenging. But I think we can see the path as training the mind. This is the, this is the notion that I would favor. You know, people talk a lot about mindfulness and about meditation. And that's part of it, but it's not the whole of it. It's our whole being, the whole way we deal with everything, the way we see things, the way we behave to others, the way we relate to ourselves. This is all part of it. And many activities can participate in that act in that path. It's not just uh, not just sitting on a cushion. It's a whole way of seeing things and living. So this is why at the beginning I said it's interesting sometimes to just come back and be present just for a moment, maybe one minute or two minutes or three or four or five, when you have a little space to just do nothing and be present and come back to the present moment as much as possible in a very, very relaxed way, not forcing. Sometimes some meditators are too loose. I am actually a little bit like that myself, I must admit. And some are too tight. So, you know, the kind of spaced cadet, you know, and that, that, that's, uh, that's a, a little bit of an obstacle because it's important to be present, to be awake and relaxed at the same time. Now, these strike look like opposite things, but it's quite possible to be awake, to be present, and relax, relaxing in that state of being present. Not relaxing as we normally think of in indulging in all the, uh, uh, all the things 
that our wandering mind wants to be attracted to. It's the notion of relaxation is almost the opposite of our uh, uh, current habitual notion of relaxation. You know, you pe see people, uh, well, you know what people's idea of relaxing is, I think, and our own as well. But to relax in the present state of just uh, present awareness is, uh, that's true relaxation. And it gives an extreme feeling of lightness and freedom. But of course, to feel that, it takes time. You know, when, when people, people uh, uh, complain that they're, they've been meditating for a while, and why do they still have thoughts coming? Why do they still have difficult emotions? Why isn't everything all made better? Whereas, of course, we're putting a little drop of something in front of the extreme huge habits that we've developed for our whole life. So it's not really surprising that those habits aren't going to just disappear overnight. It's not like a magic wand. As I said, it's like training the mind. Just It's a training, and a training, you know, like sports. You're not going to be an Olympic runner from the first day, you know. It, we can train within our capacities, which may actually be not so great, but uh, we can, you know, if you, if you just try to keep a little fit and go for a walk every day and uh, or whatever, then there's a benefit. You're not uh, you're not a world champion, but there's a difference, and it's the same thing with our mind training. Just by doing a bit each day, just by uh, gradually working on ourselves in a very, very spacious way, there's a difference. And although it's, if we look at what these real, re realized teachers are like and what we're like, it, we, it feels like we're just in a different universe a bit. But if we look how our mind is when it's totally untrained and how it becomes if we just train it a little bit, if we just don't hang on to our obsessions so much and if we just don't give in to our anger so much and, and just those, those and uh, it's just wonderful isn't it it's such a privilege we're so lucky so um, you know I, I think of course we're aiming for enlightenment maybe but it doesn't mean that we're not able to enjoy the benefits here and now of just having some kind of uh, not being completely out of control. Anyway, having said all that, let's just sit for a little bit and do this very basic practice of just being aware of our breathing. And I must say that I think this thing of counting the breaths is very helpful. It's like, uh, it's just like the basic thing to not let your mind wander off all the time and to be present. So if you prefer to just be aware of your breathing without counting, that's fine. But I'm going to count my breaths. I like to do that. And uh, 
not all the time, but um, to do partly counting the breaths or being strictly aware of the breathing and partly just leaving the mind to be spacious without effort. You know, that combination of effort and non-effort is quite effective, I think. So let's just, um, I'm going to count, you know, some people like to count to seven or ten or twenty-one. Or some people like to come to count to a hundred. Then you really say, see if you lose count or not. I notice that you can, you have, you're aware, you're counting, and then suddenly it gets wobbly, you know. So, and some people can keep counting and being thinking of something else at the same time. It's another thing to watch out for. Our, our mind is quite tricky, so let's try to just be aware of our breathing and not be thinking about something else for a little while, okay?
So now, without any effort, let's just let our mind be as it is, without focusing on the breathing or anything in particular, just present here and now, at the same time aware of when the clouds of thoughts arise and disappear. Just letting go and just trying to be just present in the most simple way possible. And let's make the wish that this uh, little meditation that we've done should be a source of benefit, not just for ourselves, but for all those with whom we're in contact, good or bad. And let's dedicate this little practice and these positive thoughts and efforts that we've made together for ultimate enlightenment and the happiness of all beings without exception.